And so the question is, how much of the pie is God getting from us? How much is he getting? And, and maybe even what, what a, a better question would be is, why does God even need any of the pie? He's God, right? I mean, he, he's, he's got everything. He owns everything. He made everything. Like, so, so why does God need a piece of the pie? And, and, and it really, it goes to this. That, that God is a giver, that God gives, he loves. And God wants us to be like him. And just from the very, very get-go, we know this about God, that, that God gives. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 3, verse 16, probably one of the most popular verses in the entire Bible, uh, some of you know it by heart, for God so loved. When you love, the Bible says that God is love. And, and when you love, you just can't help yourself. For, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave the most precious thing that he had, his son, for us, so that we could have life. It doesn't get any, any more kind and compassionate and caring and generous than that. So, this we know about God. He has been giving since the beginning. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, it says, Then God said, I give you... And there's this whole list of things, right, right out of the gate, when he, when he creates everything, there's this like, I want to have a relationship with you, and I just want to give to you. And so was, he says he created the plants, he created the animals. How many dog lovers we got here? How many cats? Like, God said, I was thinking of you. How many, how many people that we just loved, how many people like Yosemite? God said, I was thinking of you. How many people like Hawaii? God said, I was thinking of you. I created it for you. Some of you like to snowboard, some of those beautiful snow-capped mountains. He goes, I was thinking of you. I did it all for you because I love you. And so we know that God's heart is a heart of like, I just want you to be like me, and I'm a, I'm a giving God. John Maxwell, who used to pastor here in San Diego and is kind of a leadership um, guru, if you will, said this. He said, you can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. Let that just sink in just for a second. You can give without loving. Is that true that you can give without loving? I think it is. In Matthew chapter 23, one time, Jesus having this encounter with these really religious people called the Pharisees, and he just, just calls them out. And he says, you know the problem with you Pharisees is, and I'm paraphrasing here obviously, but he says the, the problem with you is that you actually do give because they were very fastidious about their giving, you know, they were very religious about it, and so they, they gave. But he said, but you're jerks. Like you give without love. He said, he called them out. He says, you're not compassionate, you're not caring, you know, you, you, your heart is not in it. So it actually is possible to give without caring. But as John said, you can never, ever care without giving. I've noticed in the last 10 years, you probably have noticed this, that a lot of times you'll go up to, uh, you know, a Target or some different place to the counter, and as you're checking out, they'll say, right before you're getting ready to check out, you know, I'm, going, I'm coming to, they'll say, oh, would you like to give to, and, you know, it's always something, it just, and it, a lot of it's really good. But just in that moment, there you are, you're just kind of caught, and there the person is behind the counter, and they're looking at right into your eyes. You ever, you ever feel that moment, and you're like, oh, I, I really wasn't prepared for this, and you're looking straight at me, and I, I, you know, and so a lot of times, just out of shame, I guess, and guilt, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give to, you know, rescue dogs in Arizona. I wasn't really thinking about that, but, you know, I don't want you to think badly of me, 
but I have to tell you, you know, um, my heart probably wasn't in some of the things that I, I was giving to, all right? But, if, but God wants us to always give out of love. So here's what we know. And Jesus, by the way, Jesus talked about giving a lot, almost more than he talked about anything else. And you say, well, why is that? Because that's right where we live. That's, that's just right where we live. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin, which is kind of like rats and everything else, destroy, or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, this is the, the important part right here, for where your treasure is, what? That's where your heart's going to be. That's where your heart's going to be. I, got, I have a neighbor, and you can see where his heart is because my neighbor has the most beautiful, 19, I think it's a 1955 Chevy truck that you've ever seen. It is just a beauty. I mean, just I sit there and I look at it, but it, it's easy to look at because he's so in love with it. He's got it out every day, shining it. He's got, uh, basically, his mechanic is over every weekend working on it. And he, so, you know, you talk about where is his treasure? It's that truck. It, it's like I, he's got the look of love when he looks at that truck. I've seen the way he looks at his wife, and I've seen the way he looks at his truck. <laughs> he loves that truck more than he loves his wife. I can tell you that. That's where his, his treasure is. But it, you know, what, that's true of all of us, that there is some part of us that says, this is the true treasure. This is where my heart is. And maybe it's in a home that you love, or, or maybe it's in maybe a person or something, but... This is where Jesus is calling this out. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So that brings us to the book of Malachi. We're going to close this out today. We've been, this is our fourth week in the book of Malachi. It's a little tiny book. It's the very last book uh, in the Old Testament. And do you know what comes after the last book of the Old Testament? Not just the first book of the New Testament, but Christmas. So we're going to, next week, we're going to start an Advent series. We're going to go right into Christmas. But so Malachi uh, chapter 3. And so let me just kind of bring up the speed real quick on what's been going on. Uh, chap chapter 1, uh, basically, God is speaking through Malachi, who's a prophet. His name means messenger. And he really has a very difficult message to bring, but it's a very straightforward message. And basically, uh, God is saying to Israel, you guys are, you're not, you're out of sync with me. Um, you're not being just. You've lost your way. Um, and, and he calls him out. And the very first thing, God says, I love you. And then Israel says, no, you don't. We don't feel your love at all. And so there's like this ongoing conversation between God, the people of Israel. And at one point he says, you don't honor me well. And they're saying, well, how do we not honor you? And he says, you know, even your sacrificial system, you're bringing me things that are, that are like secondhand, thirdhand. He goes, you've just lost your love for me. So this is probably the most famous chapter right here, chapter 3. Uh, and let's, let's read it together, beginning with uh, verse 6. He says this, he says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, which would be Israel, are not destroyed. Let me just tell you, that is great news that God doesn't change. I don't know about you, but as much as I try not to, like in the best possible ways, sometimes I'm affected by things and I can change, but when you're perfect, you don't need to change. And God says, here's where I, I don't change. I'll always love you. My love is unconditional. Whether you're doing well or whether you're a train wreck, I'm going to love you. God doesn't change. Verse 7, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and you've not kept them. 
return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. If you're here today and you've lost your way with God or maybe you've been wondering about it, he just says, come on back, come on back home. He says, but you ask, how are, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. He says this, now this is like, whoa, a whoa moment. He says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. So, curse, like, whoa, that, that's, that's kind of heavy. So, what kind of curse are we talking about? So, you know, we're not tithing. We'll talk about what tithing means in just a second. So, like, what's God going to do to us? Is he, you know, are we all going to get hemorrhoids? Are, are, are we going to have eternal bad breath? Is uh, the, the TV station going to be stuck on Dancing for Stars forever? You know, is, is our fantasy football team, everybody going to get hurt on it? I mean, like, what kind of a curse are we talking about here? And everything that I've just said, the curse he's talking about is far worse than anything I just said. Because it's the curse of selfishness and stinginess and a soul that begins to shrink up. And it doesn't reflect the heart of God. And that's, that's what he wants to deliver us from. He wants us to be like him. And so, here, here's the curse that you will experience. Financial insecurity. It happens to people all the time. Awake at night, looking at the ceiling, thinking about the bills. Thinking about how am I going to get out of debt? Like, how can I get ahead? You know, and always the comparison game. How can I do better and, you know, be like those people next door to me, right? And, and so this is about delivering our soul from that. So that we're not obsessed with that. Number one cause of divorce in America. I've said it so many times, some of you know what it is. Finances. Financial stress in a marriage. Number one cause of it. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because the biggest fights you've ever had have been about money. That's why um, I want to encourage you, if you've never been to Financial Peace University, it's one of our life groups that we offer and we're going to be offering it this next winter. I encourage you to be in that. My wife and I have gone through it twice and it, it's so helpful. And it'll help you to know how to manage your, uh, your money, it'll, it'll just teach you. There's a guy named Dave Ramsey. He's got a syndicated radio show, and some of you have heard that show. And it will, it will help you to learn how to manage your money and, and, and how to be blessed. I just want to encourage you to do that. So let's talk about this, this tithe and offering things. Uh, just a few minutes ago, what did I say? I stood up here and I said, I asked the ushers to come up, and I said, we're going to return our tithes and our offerings. And for some of you who might be new to church or new to faith, you might like well, so what does that exactly mean? So the tithe actually means, it just it means 10% right across the board. And it's kind of a baseline. In the Old Testament, and all the way even through the New Testament, the baseline is, look, I'm going to take the first 10% of what I make, and I'm just going to give it back to God. And then the offering is, is above and, and beyond that. Now, I realize this is shocking for some of you. You're like, if you've never heard this before, you're like, 10%? Like, that's really, really uncomfortable. But so is a colonoscopy, if you've ever had one. And you know what? It's so that it's preventative. It's to save my life. And this is the same thing. This is God's way of saying, look it, there's a couple things that I'm trying to accomplish. First of all, I want to save you from yourself so that you don't get all caught up in materialism and consumerism and you become selfish and you become everything that I'm not. And secondly, if we're going we're gonna to move the kingdom of God forward, the only way we can do it is by funding the kingdom of God. So he actually does it to set us free from ourselves and help us to be generous like him. 
So I want to go to the why. A lot of times when you get into the subject, it makes people a little bit nervous. Um, so let's just let's take a few seconds. Everybody calm down right now, okay? Just like, okay, you're going to be good, all right? But I, I know that the why is probably one of the most important things about anything that, that you know, why, what's the logic behind this and what's the why? Because if we can get by the why, we really understand why, I think it'll help a lot of us. So why, why tithe? So in, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 14, Moses speaking here, uh, in verses 22 and 23, he says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year so that you may learn to revere or honor the Lord your God. So it just means that I'm putting God first. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus called it out. So what I'm saying is, God, I love you so much, and I'm going to honor you by saying, I'm just going to take a 10%. Now, here's the thing. For a lot of us, the way that we do our budgets and finances and things, we say, hey, look, I'm going to pay all of my bills, take care of all the stuff that I need to take care of, you know, maybe go see a movie or two and my entertainment needs and everything else. And then if there's anything that's left over, then, you know, I'll put that in, in the offering. Well, it, basically, from a biblical standpoint, he says, no, you do it just the opposite. You say, here's the first 10%, God, you get this. Now, this was scary back in the day for these people because they were like, wow, the 10, first 10%, we're all farmers, we don't even know if our crops are going to come in. But God said, this is the way that you honor me. And, and there's a lot of us in this room right now, you know what I'm talking about, you learn to do it this way. My wife have been, and I have been doing it from, from day one. Um, and it's not scary anymore because, you know, God really, really blesses that. But it's, it, it's a faith thing to say, okay, God, here you, here you go. So the why of tithing. Tithing reminds me to be thankful that all I have comes from God. Everything that I have comes from God. This Thursday is, of course, Thanksgiving. We have a tradition at, at my home. We usually invite uh, not just family but some friends and a few other people. And right before we have that big old fat turkey meal and everything, we uh, just have everybody say, what are, what are you thankful for? And it's, it's kind of a fun time. But then the next day is what? Black Friday. So we go from Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving. Think about it. Think about it. And then we have Cyber Monday. So, I mean, we just no sooner how we are like, God, oh, we're so thankful to her, like running down the aisles and stampeding and, you know, I need that what flat screen or whatever it is we're after. And it's one of the things that we have to, to fend off. It says in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So let me tell you something that was a game changer for me many, many years ago. My dad was really big on ownership. My dad grew up poor. And so to own a home meant everything in the world to him. And to own vehicles and to own anything just meant so much to him. And, and because of that, you know, it's kind of sort of a broken place in his life. He would hold on. I mean, he, he, would, he would actually give. He was a pretty generous guy towards God. But everything else, he would just hold on to it, hold on to it, tight. And, and so that kind of got in me a little bit as I was growing up. And, and there, was a, there was a point that I realized, and this is really a part of it right here, that I'm not really a, so much an owner as I am a manager. The Bible says that, that he, it all comes from him. The very job that you have, the opportunity you have even had to give, get the job, the fact that you live in America where there's land of opportunity, you can pursue the American dream, all those kind of things, that all comes from God. And so he says, look, it, here, here's the deal. I just want you to acknowledge that it comes from me. And if you realize that it comes from me, that you're just managing and you're not owning, then you can, you can be a blessing to other people all the time. I have a, I have a good friend 
who's very wealthy, but he's also very generous. And uh, so what he does is he owns a place over here in San Diego, right on the waterfront. It's beautiful. Well, his home is amazing. And then he's got another home next to his home. And so um, all year long, he lets people stay there for free. He lets missionaries stay there and people head up nonprofits. And he lets family, I, like my family, uh, when they come from New Mexico, gets to stay there. And it's just amazing. And, but then he's also got a place in Maui. And he does the same thing. All year long, he says, you get to stay at my place. So that, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like, are you managing your stuff so that other people get to be blessed by it? Any, any boat people out there? Hey, I like boats. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, God blesses us. And so it, it, everything changes. When I go from, it's, it's mine, I'm the owner, to God, I'm simply managing, and I'm, I'm not just managing resources, I'm managing God's time. Remember, he calls us to accountability on that. He says, I give you so much time, I give you talents, you're all talented and gifted in certain ways. And so when I see it that way, suddenly what it does is it opens my hand and I'm able to say, yeah, it actually does come from you. So why am I hoarding it? Why am I hanging on to it? Why am I acting like, why am I losing sleep that I don't have enough when you've blessed me so much as it is? Tithing funds the work that God wants to do in and through the church. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So there was a problem going on in, in the book of Malachi, and the people of Israel, they just quit giving. Now think about the church back then, which was a huge temple. And the temple's fallen apart, and the staff, which would have been the priests, the pastors and the people, they're, they're not getting paid. And that's bad enough, but the worst part of it was this. That a lot of that money also went for uh, orphans and for widows and for people that were impoverished and people that were really poor people that were blind and take care that, that money was gone because people weren't tithing so they weren't able to take care of the people that, that God cared about so much it funds the, the, the work of God I mean we, we can't do anything we, this church or this, this is a church but it's also a school most of the time right so for a few hours on a Sunday we get to stay here and and uh, if you're new to this, you're thinking, it's so cool that they let you stay here. Yeah, they do, for $50,000 a year. That's what it costs, just to open these doors. And then, you know, kind of what Tony was talking about a minute ago, that uh, we, we do things to feed people, and we thank you for your generosity. Some of you are so awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, what we have, the outreach that we're going to have for the police, that's through you and through your generosity. Uh, so many of the community things that we do with the school to help people, that's through you and your, your generosity. I, uh, I recently read this book. In fact, I've got the book up here right now. Um, so let me tell you about this book. It was written by uh, Richard Stearns, who used to be, up until last year, he was the president of World Vision. How many of you have heard of World Vision? It's one of the greatest organizations in the world. And they feed people in third world countries, and they, they reach out to, to kids that have AIDS in Africa, and they just do amazing things. And so a friend of mine recommended that I read this book, and I read it, and I got to tell you, it just wrecked me. It just wrecked me in the best possible way. You know, I, I'm pretty well-traveled, and so I've been to third-world countries and stuff, but this kind of brought a new, whole new light on, on things. And so let me, uh, let me share a couple things with you that will at least bring a perspective to you. So one of the things that Richard Stern says is this. Uh, I think it's less than 7% of people that go to church actually tithe. 
But he, his question was this, what if, what if every churchgoer actually gave a 10%? What would that look like? Well, this was about 10 years ago, so just you know, think about that. It'd be a lot more. He said it, it would look like $168 billion. And you have to ask yourself the question, wow, what could we do with $168 billion in America to help people? And then he says, well, what are Americans spending their money on? He said, well, $705 billion Americans spend on entertainment and recreation. And by the way, as I say this, this is like, like sort of lay some guilt trip on you. There's nothing wrong with having entertainment. There's nothing wrong with going to the movies and going to concerts and all that kind of stuff, as long as you're generous. $179 billion spent by teenagers alone on entertainment. $65 billion we spend on jewelry. $58 billion we spend on lottery tickets. Wow. 39.5 billion, that's the total U.S. government foreign assistance budget for the world. 31 billion is spent on pets. 13 billion is what we spend on cosmetic surgery. And then finally, down at the very bottom, 5 billion, that's the total overseas ministries to 700 Protestant missions, agencies, including denominations, interdenominational, and independent agencies. What could we do if everybody got on board and we became more generous than we are? I want to read a, a verse to you that, that really sp speaks to me. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's written by the, the Apostle Paul to Timothy, and he said this. He said, command those who are rich in the present world. Now, our, here's our, a lot of our problem. You don't know that you're rich. You, you don't know that you're rich. The Gallup uh, people did a poll the other day, or actually re very recently, and they asked this question all over America. And they said, can you define what it means to be rich? And they found that it was a moving target. Because they, they said, if somebody had $2 million, to them, rich was $4 million. And if somebody had $50,000, well, rich to them was maybe $100,000. So it was, it's, it's this is kind of moving target. But, but here's the thing, and here's one of the reasons I'm always, always after you to go on a mission trip with me. Because if you have not seen the world, and if you don't know what's out there, you're not going to have that perspective. I've been in a lot of third world countries. And when I get up in the morning, everything that I take for granted is not available to them. Running water, clean water, something that I'm very, very involved with. Not available to them. Transportation, we're talking walking in bare feet in many cases. The assurance of food on the table, no. Hoping that there'll be food on the table. Having a roof over their head, I've seen cardboard boxes that were people were living in, third world country. In fact, just right across the border, if you want to know the truth. People, are, I mean, the, the things that we take for granted. And again, it's, it's, it's not, it's, we're rich. We're rich. You say, well, man, I'm way in debt. Yeah, but you can get out of debt. They can't. They don't even have an opportunity. There's two or three billion people in the world today that make less than $2 a day and have no opportunity apart from you and I getting behind them and, and helping them. We're rich, and we just don't know it. He says, for this last part of this verse, I love it. In this way, you're going to lay up treasure for yourselves 
as a firm foundation for the age, coming age. And I love this last part. So that they may be able to take hold of the life that is truly life. What is the life that is truly life? Generosity. Compassion. That's what life really is. That's, that's really what, it, what it's all about. And this we know. Nothing succeeds without dedicated resources. All the nonprofits are out there. My wife the other day was walking out of one of our favorite grocery stores. And it's one of those places where people, nonprofit people, they plant themselves right in front of the store. How many of you know about that, you know? Would, would probably if you're like me, sometimes I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, and I'm like, or I pick up my phone and act like I'm having a conversation. I know, don't judge me, okay? But my wife doesn't do that. If you know my wife, she's a big talker, and so these people are like, hey, can we talk to you for a second? And she's like, oh, yeah, she just walks right up. <laughs> and, and it's, it's uh, Doctors Without Borders. I don't know if you've heard of them. I actually have. They're an amazing organization. And so my wife starts talking to them. She comes home and she tells me all about it. She says, oh, this thing. And, and so if you don't know about it, it's basically doctors that go to third world countries primarily, and they offer their services for free. And so this organization, all they do is they say, we're just going to pay for the expense of the doctors to be able to go. We're talking about all kinds of doctors. My dentist does this. And there's, you know, ophthalmologists, and there's different kinds of doctors. But they go, and they offer their services for free. So my wife is listening to all this, and of course she signs us up for $25 a month. And I'm, babe, like, we got a budget. We're, like, really, really tight here. But what are you going to say to something like that? I said, we're already giving to clean water, give clean water, which is one of the ones that we love and support a lot. But can you really, like, put a measurement on that kind of generosity? There was part of me that said, Karen, we're maxed out. I can't believe you did that. But, but there was the other part of me that said, somehow I know it's going to work out and we're just going to be so blessed. And I want those people in those third world countries to get some help. And if we can do something about it. Nothing succeeds without dedicated resources. Now here's the good news about tithing. If you haven't experienced this or if you don't understand it, you've never read it before, there's great blessing in it. Great bless. Even there, my wife and I one time, were, were, and we always gave the first 10%. Um, we're, we've gone through a few financial times, but there was always food on the table. There was always good health, you know. Um, that there's always blessings that would come our way. So there's just this blessing that, that comes with it. And this is what it says. So God's, again, he's speaking to Israel, but he speaks to us today about the same thing. And he says to this in Matthew chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, he says, test me. Now, this is the only time in the Bible that you will ever hear God say, test me. Because everywhere else in the Bible, he goes, don't test me. Don't test me. Tired of you testing me. But on this one thing, he changes it. And you have to ask yourself, why? Because God knows this is probably the one area that we find the most difficult. This is, this is like, okay, I, can I do it? He says, test me this way, says the Lord Almighty, and I will see, and, and see, if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough to store it. I mean, that's like, wow. And I'll, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will... Drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations will call you blessed, and yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And basically, what he is saying is that tithing and giving and being generous in general means that we're going to be a blessed people. So um, I want to invite a friend of mine up here. He's, uh, his name is Dan Mudd. Dan, why don't you come up? Some of you know Dan and his wife, Jill. They're amazing people. And they, uh, I, I asked him to share primarily because of this, and I told him this before. I said, if the pastor stands up and talks about this conversation, everybody's going, yeah, well, he's the pastor. He's supposed to say that. 
But this is a guy who has been in, on that journey, and so I'm going to let him talk about his own journey. Yeah. I think we uh, push a button here somewhere. There we are. That, that should do it, I think. Flashing green. We're working. Hey, we yes. got it. We got it. There you go. Hi guys, I'm Dan, and like uh, Steve said, my wife is Jill, and I just wanted to get up to you. I've been talking with Steve about our giving journey and how we've been so blessed and stuff like that. But we always talk about being able to transfer that blessing, like like get everybody to kind of understand that. And Steve can stand up here and talk to you guys a lot about um, tithing and just being generous with time and money and just what God has given you. Um, but I wanted to get up here and kind of share some of our journey um, and what we've been able to do. And me and my wife have been together about 10 years, and about nine years ago we kind of started our tithing journey. And uh, it started off a lot like whenever we had an extra $100, $200, we would kind of give that money. And then, um, But when we didn't have that money, God was the first thing that kind of we took that money back from. And it's just like in that video we saw earlier, it just kind of felt that way where you just felt, I don't want to say shameful, but you're just like, you know you could be doing so much more. Um, so we kind of made that, that faith journey, that step, and just said we were going to tithe regardless of where we were at financially. And God just really been able to bless us through that. Um, and we've just, we've changed our hearts, I guess, a lot. And there is that blessing, like Steve was talking about, where God just seems to provide for you in those times of, lacking and whenever you have abundance we tend to give more and it just feels really good i'm not the generous one in our family my wife more is you know like the one that likes to give and stuff like that and um but god for like i'll paint you guys another picture this last year not only like we've been tithing regularly for like the last five or six years but last year we were able to i think there was a message about kingdom builders and steve just kind of put five hundred dollars in my head and i was like oh, that's, that's a big number. And then he's like, no, that's not the number I told you. It was a lot larger number. Um, and I was scared and just didn't even want to tell my wife because I was just like, it's just a crazy, obscene number. And it was just one of those challenges God gave to us to be able to trust in him and have faith. And I don't tell you this story to like, I don't want to be prideful or anything like that. Or just, I just want to just share God's generosity um, in us, and um, Steve was like, I want you to talk and share about being generous, and I'm like, I felt generous only two days last year. The day God gave me that number, and the day that we wrote the check. Everywhere in between, I was just scared and fearful, and just like, it was it was, it was, was crazy, and like, I, the guys in my life group know about this, and I talked to Steve and Tony about this last year, and just, I wanted to make sure, like, we were on the right track with God, and doing this, and um, yeah, even through the whole year, I mean, it seemed like the only way it was going to happen was God was going to do it. And all you guys know, we have our little guy, Griffin, and he was born last year, and he was sick. And uh, for about a month and a half, we really just kind of had to press in on God. And during that time, I owned my own business, and I lost a client, one of my major clients, like 90% of my business. Um, and it was just kind of like one of those things where you're just like you're in this moment of just there's, I mean, that's the last thing on your mind as you're going through this process is like, how are you going to like be able to like, God prompted me with this number, but it was just like, I don't, we don't have a job. We don't have, you know, like there's no income coming in. And then sure enough, God was, you know, like we just kind of held faith through that. Um, and God blessed us and we were able to find 
I was able to, you know, secure another client. But we had like a great year in the business. Um, and like I said, we were able to be generous like towards the end of the year. And like, it was scary to give, to write that check and to give that money. Like there was, like I own a business and I'm like, I can reinvest this into the business. I can put this towards our family. We don't own a home yet and God willing, someday we will. But like, we, you know, we could use this for a down payment. There's all these thoughts, these crazy thoughts that go through your mind of like doubt, fear, insecurities and those kind of things. And we just willingly kind of at some point gave the money um, and we just knew it was going to be a blessing to so many people, like in this community and for this church. And it was just one of those like really cool, awesome God moments. Um, and like, I have no regrets of doing that. And um, this year, God has blessed us with continued health and our family. And I don't like, and the business has been doing well and everything like that. And it's just, God hasn't given us another number like that. Sorry, Steve. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it's just one of those things I just wanted to share and encourage you guys. Like, God came through in such a way that he made, he made that number happen. It wasn't me by any means. Like, I do the work. I provide the effort and those kind of things. But, like, it's to look back on it, you're just like, it was only God that could come through in that situation. And he just continues to bless us in so many ways and like I don't want to like talk prosperity gospel it's like you give 20 you get 40 back like no it's just God does something in your heart when you give in such a way and it seems like a big sacrifice in the moment but I'm telling you like it's just you're gonna bless people around you you're gonna love on people around you and you're gonna feel like this openness from it I guess yeah and I know Steve if you have any questions or if anybody had any questions like more than willing to answer and just the only thing that i would say is i've just watched you and joe yeah. and i've just seen it's like a transformation in you i mean you guys were already awesome and you became more awesome just you know yeah i mean we're just we try to be humble through the process because it's just god's given us so much and how can you just i don't want to say you, you you're never wasting anything but like you really want to be able to give god like as much back as love and generosity as he's given us so Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> so I'm going to just close with this, and that is, um, so what would be the next step for you? What would be the next step for you? If you've never given, maybe the next step for you is like, well, uh, I'm going to start. Maybe once in a while you drop a little bit in. Or so, but you're saying, no, I want to I consistently be a, a part of the process where it becomes something from the heart, and I say, we're, we're going to make this a weekly or a monthly thing that we're going to do. Uh, maybe you already tithe, and you're saying, I'm, we're going to step it up a little bit, and my wife and I have, every year, we try to just be, go above and beyond. Uh, maybe, maybe it's in, in the area of actually the gifts, um, where, you know, the offerings, where you're saying, well, I'm going I'm to go above and beyond. So, but I would just say this. It's going to take us, absolutely take us out of our comfort zone, every single one of us, as it should be, because that's called faith. And so what would be the next step for you? So I'm going to pray for you, and I'm just going to ask you, it's between you and God, okay? God says be a cheerful giver, and sometimes it's, you can be kind of a scary, you know, it's kind of a scary thing, it's a faith thing. But, but as you saw Dan up here, and I've just seen just the blessing all over his and Jill's life and so many people like them, um, pray about it. And then just ask, what, what would God have me to do? So let, let me pray for you. 
Lord Jesus, I think first and foremost, one of the things that um, we as Americans have, uh, really we, we struggle with this, is we actually don't see ourselves as being as blessed as we are. We don't see ourselves as being as rich as we are. We compare. We look at everybody else and then feel not so great about ourselves. But God, help us to have a perspective this morning that we are blessed, we are rich. And, and because of that, Lord, there's a responsibility that comes with that. And, and that is to really get behind what you're doing in this world today, Lord. To, 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 to capture your heart. Your word says God is love. And love gives, Lord. Because we care. We care so deeply because you care so deeply. And so I, I just pray that you give people the courage and the faith to, to take that next step. Whatever that step looks like for them, guys, between you and them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.